With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here coming to you once again from the Vivid Seats studio. And guys, I'm a little bit depressed. I realize this weekend we've already have 16 races under our belts for the season this year. That means that there are only five races left to go. I know maybe I'm being a little bit greedy here, but I'm just absolutely shocked at how quickly this year has gone. I'm absolutely even more shocked, if that's possible, at how quickly September went. And uh, we're into October. It's going to be Thanksgiving here in Canada next week. And, well, once that's out of the way, then it's Halloween, and once Halloween's in the rearview mirror, the holiday season comes very quickly, and that means we're at the end of the year, and that will mean Formula One is done, and we're into the boring part of the year, but let's not think about that too soon. Anyways, as always, there's a lot to talk about, and we're going to talk a lot about Ferrari. We're going to talk about the the budding Vettel and uh, Charles Leclerc rivalry that uh, could potentially become, uh, well, it could go third nuclear at any time. I just feel like they're really skin, they're skating on thin ice there. And I think that uh, Matteo Bonato is going to have to really stamp some authority on that team. But uh, more on that in a little bit. A uh, couple things I want to get out of the way first. Uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to, to Dario Nezzi from uh, Italy who wrote uh, and left uh, a nice review and uh, rating on iTunes. And uh, a couple of things, actually Apple Podcasts. I'm stuck in like 2010. I refer to everything as iTunes. I mean, I got to get with the times here. Anyways, Dario uh, says... Um, uh, among other things, is that uh, he found out about the show last year, and he uh, he likes listening because uh, we talk about all the interesting topics in in Formula One, and uh, especially like uh, a lot of the news and uh, trending items. And he did say that uh, he hopes that we'll be a little bit more constant in the release of uh, new episodes, and uh, that that is true. Sometimes, uh, depending on how busy things get around here, it can shift by a day or two. So uh, I apologize when that happens, and uh, I, I really thank you guys for hanging in. You know, I love listening to podcasts. Uh, I, I listen to all variety of them. I don't listen to my own. I don't need to hear, hear myself after I record this one, but there's a whole bunch of different ones I like to listen to, be it true crime or the news or different sports or whatever. And uh, I know what it's like if you're expecting to see uh, one of your favorite shows in your feed and uh, it doesn't show up uh, when when, uh, when you're expecting it. So we'll, we'll try and stay a little bit more regular. Do have some things coming up uh, for the off season that, that we're going to do. So I know it's still a little, little ways off, but I hinted at it already and... And, uh, of course, once we, we get the, the season out of the way and we kind of do our post-mortem and uh, go over the season as a whole, we will go into our off-season mode, which will probably be once every two weeks or, or not, uh, depending on uh, on what we uh, you know decide to do during that time. But uh, anyways, let's not think about that right now. We are going to talk uh, a lot about uh, this past weekend. And, uh, well... 
I'm not sure what I should go with first. Uh, let, let's go with the uh, the Constructors and Drivers Championship because I've got a, an email here from uh, Richard LeBlanc, who's a, a friend of the show, uh, had some very interesting comments, and uh, I'll get into it in a minute. But uh, Richard, basically, I agree with everything you said, and uh, I'll, I'll leave that as a teaser for everyone else, and uh, we'll, we'll get into it, and I'll elaborate in a few moments. So this past weekend, uh, it was, of course, uh, Mercedes coming home 1-2, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, Charles Leclerc, for Ferrari uh, was the podium max for Stappen, Alex Albon. A, a decent result uh, for, for Red Bull, although they were you know quite a ways off. I mean, uh, that, but it is what it is. Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez, uh, Lando Norris, so another top 10, double top 10 uh, finish uh, for McLaren, so they're still uh, going strong. Uh, Kevin Magnussen and uh, Nico Hulkenberg in the Renault rounding out uh, the top 10. So in the uh, Drivers' uh, Championship, uh, Lewis Hamilton, 322 points. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, two. 149 points who who cares about mathematical opportunities or mathematically possible that uh, Valtteri Bottas can catch uh, Lewis Hamilton I mean he's he's world champion let's just let's get it over with uh, I mean his car is not going to break down for the remaining five races or whatever it is he's not going to have that uh, kind of luck I know there's a lot of points on the table still but you know let's, let's be realistic anyways uh, Lewis uh, leading uh, the championship 322 points Valtteri Bottas with 249 Charles Leclerc 215 Max Verstappen 212 Sebastian Vettel 194 I mean it's pretty tight between three and five there I mean uh, Vettel again he was looking really good until uh, the MGUK gave out on his car and uh, you got to feel sorry for the guy I mean he uh, looked like he was uh, back on top, and then uh, after after winning in Singapore the week uh, previously, and then uh, you know the, the same old rotten luck that's plagued him for the past year or so, catching up with him uh, immediately, uh, very frustrating then to, to watch. Uh, anyways, um, uh, sixth in the world championship, uh, Pierre Gasly, and uh, seventh Carlos Sainz, eighth Alex Albon, fifty two points already that Alex Albon is uh, has assembled since uh, he's uh, made the the switch and starting to really contribute in. Uh, uh, with uh, with Red Bull, Lando Norris ninth, and Danny Ricardo and Nico Hulkenberg uh, both uh, thirty four points. So Danny Rick coming out uh, ten just based on the the, the results. But uh, interesting to see uh, that uh, both the Renault drivers are level on points scored in the championship so far. On the constructor side, obviously it is still Mercedes way out in front, and uh, they they shall so, so remain until things change. And there they're not going to change this year. Obviously five hundred and seventy one points. Uh, Ferrari still hanging on to um, second, and they're going to take second in the Constructors' Championship, even though Alex Albon is doing a stellar job, I think, uh, uh, as that number two uh, driver at Red Bull. I mean, they're almost 100 points behind uh, Ferrari, so Red Bull's got a 311. McLaren hitting triple digits in uh, in the constructors for the first time in god only knows how long but 101 points uh, scored so far Renault 68 points uh, for for the top 5 and then going down in order Toro Rosso red or sorry Racing Point Alfa Romeo Haas Ferrari and then uh, Williams still with that one single point that uh, Robert Kubica scored several weeks ago actually a couple of months ago now going all the way back to the German Grand Prix at uh, at Hockenheim so it's uh, I'm still more the same but uh, I 
think that uh, really what is interesting is just since the summer break, uh, how Ferraris really turned things around. And that was another one, a case of Ferrari being their own worst enemy. It looked like they were on for uh, what looked like, well, at least um, Charles Leclerc or Sebastian Vettel were going to win that race uh, unless they got beat out uh, via undercut or overcut in um, in that race. Uh, had there been no virtual safety car, safety car for any other uh, reason. But uh, just uh, disappointing, although it wasn't down to strategy, wasn't down to team orders, or there was plenty of that uh, going on. It was just uh, a mechanical failure. And uh, when Sebastian Vettel was way out in front leading the race, and then, uh, well, no, actually, that was after the pit stop. So he wasn't leading the race, but uh, very, very disappointing that uh, when when they looked so strong that what ultimately handed uh, the advantage to Mercedes was the the, the virtual safety car that was uh, deployed after uh, Sebastian Vettel retired from the race and then uh well charles leclerc did his best to, to try and pass valtteri bottas but at the end was not able to uh, to get around him and then uh, make uh make a challenge try and close the gap to lewis hamilton and, and ultimately challenge for the race victory so disappointing on that front if uh, you're obviously a ferrari fan uh, it's obviously very very ironic that uh, that it was the mechanical failure which uh, handed the the uh, the advantage to mercedes but hey that's motor racing that's uh, what happens from from time to time but let, let's the, the team orders and everything that's going on there and I, I want to read uh from this uh email from Richard LeBlanc and uh I'm, I'm gonna read the as, as much as I can I might uh, he, he's made several points here and I thought I'm about reading a couple of parts here and then but from, from the email but if I do then you're gonna lose the the, the bigger context that uh, that Richard and the, has put into it and uh, the, the thought that he's put into it and then we might lose a little bit of the meaning in there so I'll just uh, quote here and uh and Richard has to say, on the BBC Checkered Flag podcast, uh, Andrew Benson, chief F1 correspondent, heavily criticized Vettel for allegedly disobeying team orders in not allowing Leclerc to regain first place after using the latter's toe to move into first place after the first series of turns. My reaction to this a. No one ever seemed to care when Hamilton disobeyed team orders when dueling with Nico Rosberg. In fact, Hamilton implied that team orders only applied if Rosberg could catch him. Notwithstanding the, this predictable championship uh, behavior, Benson was strangely outraged that Vettel did not meekly take his place behind Ferrari's new Wunderkind. B. If Vettel did ignore team orders or the team plan, the nuance may be important, see below Rimanza, then I su- suspect that he would only ever contemplate a switch if Leclerc were in a position to over take without compromising either car's position relative to a very quick Hamilton. C. Even if Vettel's refusal to slow down for Leclerc was poor team etiquette, Leclerc started this row in not following the team plan in Monza by giving Vettel a toe in qualifying. Leclerc shows electrifying potential, but Vettel is a four-time world champion, and that is underlined uh, just to uh, really drive the point home. But Vettel is a four-time world champion who deserves immense respect and until further notice remains the alpha dog at Ferrari. Leclerc needs to extend goodwill to Vettel if he expects to receive it. Time for Leclerc to demonstrate some humility and time for Bonato to crack down with firm discipline before things start to fracture. I don't know what to add to that. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think uh, Richard is making some excellent uh, points here. And I think it uh, he does start off uh, with an interesting point here about uh, Hamilton disobeying uh, team orders when it uh, when he was dueling with uh, Nico Rosberg. And we all know, I mean, for, for those of you that have been fans for of Formula 1 for some time, I and mean, we don't really need to go and dissect and uh, revisit the whole uh, Nico Rosberg-Hamilton uh, uh, relationship. I mean, it was it, it was toxic at, uh, at best. And I mean, these two, they tangled uh, a bunch of times 
sometimes. And I think that's why things uh, are so good at Mercedes right now, because after Nico Rosberg uh, shockingly retired just uh, a week after winning the, the 2016 World Championship, that, uh, that, that we were always going to bring in somebody, at least I, I felt at the time, that they were going to bring in someone that was going to be uh, not like uh, Nico Rosberg, because Nico was not afraid to stand up for himself. He wasn't uh, afraid to you know get in trouble if or, or stand up to Lewis Hamilton, even if it meant uh, getting in trouble. I mean, it really did get bad at some points. I mean, uh, Total Wolf said a, a couple of times that uh, if things were going to continue the way that they were, that uh, that they could release one or both of those drivers if uh, the, the goals of the team, uh, you know, the, the bigger picture, uh, was not uh, really being followed or uh, they weren't attaining the goals that they wanted to. I mean, go back and look at Spa 2016, or sorry, 2015, when they tangled on the first lap and uh, uh, Lewis ended up with a punctured tire and ended up having to tour around uh, for almost a basic, uh, you know, basically the entire length of the lap, which is uh, at Spa, one of the longest ones on the entire calendar. So it was a long way. And I mean, he ended up, uh, I can't remember where he finished uh, at the end of that race, but I mean, he was, I mean, he was, he wasn't in contention, obviously, to win that one. He was well down in the racing order. But uh, it's interesting that, I mean, Benson was uh, outraged that uh, Vettel did not meekly take his place, as Richard said, uh, behind uh, Leclerc going into that uh, first corner. And I understand that obviously that there's going to be a benefit uh, to getting a toe because I believe that once you uh, cross the start finish line, at the Sachi Autodrome, I believe it's something like a, a kilometer, over a kilometer before you go into that first turn. So you're going to get, uh, obviously, the benefit uh, of, a, of a real big toe. But the thing is, Vettel, I think, had uh, the, the best start out of those three. I think he had a, a good start. Leclerc, Leclerc was second. And Lewis, being just on the inside, on the dirty side of the track, just didn't have quite as uh, much grip. It was interesting, too, because Lewis, um, he did say after uh, qualifying on Saturday that uh, he was going to try and get, uh, you know, make a run on Charles going into that first corner and try and take the lead or, or try and uh, at least get into position to try and overtake him going into that corner and you could tell I think that uh, when he started to pull over onto the racing line I, I think that he got caught out a little bit uh, I think he knew that Vettel was there but I don't think he expected him to be that close like right alongside him because he really pulls up close Vettel did not give an inch and uh, it was some uh, real brave uh, racing. And I know that Vettel did benefit uh, fr from the toe, but I hate team orders, especially in that case. And I don't think that Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel are equals at this point. Leclerc has had a brilliant season. He's clearly an exceptional talent and uh, has won several races already probably should have won a couple more this year truth be known and this is a guy that uh, very much uh, like I always talk about Max Verstappen has all the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, all the, uh, the the trademarks, all the uh, characteristics of somebody that could uh, potentially be a world champion this uh, this year. However, he's the first in his first year at Ferrari. As uh, the emailer said, um, Sebastian is a four-time uh, world champion. He is should be, at least uh, as I understand it, the number one driver at Ferrari. This number one and number one A, that never works. I mean, when has that ever worked in football where you have like, a, you know, quarterback one and one A? I mean, you either have a starter and a number two guy. It just doesn't, doesn't work, this uh, this thing. And I think that uh, Charles, uh, I think um, obviously he he's deserved uh, the success that he's had. But, you know, it's... I, quite frankly, I think it's kind of stupid, the agreement that uh, that they had. And uh, I think that, uh, sure, I mean, if he dragged him or it was in the toe all the way down into that corner, I guess that was fine. But at the end of the day, nobody's going to hand you anything in sports. If you want to win that race, if you want first, go and take it. If you get passed by Lewis Hamilton or your teammate or anyone else into that first corner 
and uh, you think you should be in front, go back and take it. It's sports. There are no points for second place, whereas Ayrton Senna used to say second was the first of the losers, uh, or, or words to that effect. And I think that's very true. I mean, you can have all the, um, you know, the, 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 the agreements that you want, but at the end of the day, you have to go out there and, uh, and earn it. I mean, what are we going to start doing next? Uh, start giving out participation, uh, you know, flags or, or ribbons for everybody else. I, I don't like that sort of thing. Uh, I, I think that uh, Mattia Bonato really has to step up. I, I, I mean, he's obviously a great uh, engineer. I mean, his records in, in motorsport and Formula One speaks for itself. But I mean, he is still relatively green as a team principal. And I think that uh, he really needs to do something and, and stamp some authority on it and, and put something on there. I mean, Vettel... I I think, uh, obviously, despite all the bad luck that he's had, he still should be the outright number one. Next year, I think that uh, even though Vettel uh, still has one more year on his contract at Ferrari, I think next year you got to wipe the, uh, the, the the slate clean. But uh, right now, I think that, uh, you know, Charles was a little bit off base because, uh, you know, in saying that uh, they should have honored that uh, agreement because uh, Vettel was clearly uh, faster than him. It wasn't like that uh, Charles was, uh, you know, half a second or less on his, uh, right up his, uh, on the back of his gearbox the entire time. And, uh, you know, uh, Sebastian making defensive uh, maneuvers to, to keep him at bay. I mean, he hung around within a second or two for several laps, but that, that gap went up to several seconds uh, before they uh, they had the pit stops. He just knew at that point that uh, the way that uh, that they were going to do it is that they were going to keep Vettel out a couple of seconds or a couple of laps longer. So he had the old rubber, Charles had the new rubber. And then, of course, that's how they were going to do it. Just to let them, uh, you know, Charles uh, make up the, uh, the, the deficit on the track and then put Sebastian back out in, in second place. At the end of it, it was all a bit academic because by the time the switch had happened, uh, Vettel only lasted a couple of laps before his car expired. And but I just don't like the the the, the whole thing of it. I mean, uh, so. <sighs> I think ultimately you had to kind of look at it. Yeah, sure, he passed him. Uh, Leclerc was there, there or there, thereabouts for a couple of laps. Vettel was clearly quicker. The thing is, to you, you want to win races. What are you going to do? Uh, put put Charles back in front when he's clearly slower, and then uh, have Lewis Hamilton uh, close the gap, and then potentially pass uh, Vettel, and then start threatening Charles Leclerc. I think you got to look at the the the, the bigger picture. And again, I think that, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, that Sebastian Vettel, like, uh, Richard LeBlanc, our emailer says is he is a four-time world champion. He is the number one driver at Ferrari. And I think there should be a little bit of uh, respect for that. But that's why I was saying, I think that next year is going to be completely different because, uh, Charles is obviously proven his worth. He's obviously, uh, shown what he's capable of here in, in Formula One. And I think, uh, next year, I think it's, it's, it's open season. I think, uh, Sebastian is, is going to, uh, uh, want to prove himself if he's uh, expecting or hoping uh, perhaps that uh, Ferrari will offer him another contract for 2021. I'm not so sure that's going to happen, but that's uh, another story. Uh, I've, I've got some thoughts on that. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean, uh, next year, I think you just uh, let them fi- uh, fight it out. I think, uh, you know, let, let them establish what the what the pecking order is in the team at, the, at that time. Like I say, um, Sebastian's going to be uh, fighting for a new contract or, or proving for it. And then uh, Charles will have, uh, I, I think, have a, a lot of weight uh, behind him, a lot to stand on based on uh, what he's done here in uh, in 2019. So very, very interesting stuff. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, this Grand Prix after the break, running a little bit late compared to usual. So uh, don't go away. We'll be back after a very short break to hear a message from our sponsors. Don't go away. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. And guys, I can't believe it. NFL season is basically a month old. Where, where did the time go? We've got NBA and NHL seasons starting up uh, literally right around the corner here. The World Series is literally just days away. Well, okay, maybe more than a couple of days away. The point is, if you're going to head out to the game this weekend, uh, download the Vivid Seats mobile app. And if you're a first-time customer, you can save up to $100 on all ticket purchases by using our special promo code OVERTIME. And it really is a great time of year. There there really is no lack of anything to, to watch on TV. If you if you love football, you got, uh, well, obviously, you got high school football right close to you. You can go check out in person. you got college football, NFL, like I say, NHL and NBA startup soon world series it's it's a great time of year so again if you're going to head out and check out a game in person download the vivid seats mobile app and you can save up to a hundred dollars on all first time customer ticket purchases by using our special promo code overtime all right well let's stick with the the theme of a uh, ferrari and uh, uh ferrari team principal mattia bonato has given us a, a very detailed explanation of the deal and I'm going to use the the air quotes that uh, they made with Sebastian uh, Vettel and Charles Leclerc before the start of the Russian Grand Prix. And uh, just kind of interesting to quote here from uh, from uh, Bonato. And, uh, he says, uh, looking at the past races in Russia, we know it's, it's important to be ahead at the first lap because normally if you start first, you may finish first. As a team, obviously the victory was key. So we decided the most important thing for us was to be first and second at the first lap but because by being first and second, we would somehow control and manage the pace and control the positions which is what was happening because the first and second as a matter of fact we were controlling the race and without any reliability issues we certainly would have kept the positions after the pit stops being first and second second was the objective how can you do that when you start first and third certainly protecting the first position as well as making sure as you gain a position and being second we agreed together that the best way was not to give any slipstream to Hamilton first because by giving slipstream to Hamilton we give him uh, some advantage or at least some possibility and therefore Charles would have given some slip uh, would have given slipstream to Seb that's what agreed and discussed that by giving the slipstream to Seb and not defending the position would have given an advantage to Seb which later on the race we would give back to Leclerc by swapping the cars so that was the deal again you know that's fine but at the end of the day, I, I think that uh, you got to let the, the the guys race, and uh, I, I just uh, I believe in, in in fair sportsmanship as well, of course, and I believe in in honoring agreements. But I don't like having the agreement there in the first place. I think you let the guys settle it out on the track as long as they don't collide and uh, and take each other out, which is obviously the cardinal sin in in motorsport, especially in Formula Ones. 
And Sebastian Vettel, for what it's worth, uh, he feels like he 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 stuck to the uh, agreement uh, that he made uh, with Ferrari and uh, with Charles, and uh, and and that's despite uh, you know <laughs> failing to uh, relent to a, a radio message to let uh, Charles uh, buy. I mean, uh, Seb obviously he started third, but he was uh, he was on the clean side of the track uh, behind Charles, while Lewis was on the inside on the the dirtier side that didn't have as much uh, rubber and grip, and it was a little dustier or dirtier whatever it might be. But uh, Charles was expecting those uh, positions to be swapped back uh, right away. And um, Ferrari said, uh, or Vettel told uh, Leclerc that uh, to, to close up and, uh, and and get closer to him if he wanted to be let by. And I think that's that's a fair thing to say. I mean, what's he going to do? Like slow down and then let him by? I mean, if Charles wants it, you know, close the gap, get past him. I mean, I'm not expecting him, you know, if if he's not good, like a couple of like maybe one or two seconds, I don't think he has to be like a quarter of a second uh, behind. I think that if he gets within a second or two, I think it's personally reasonable uh, or fairly reasonable for a Vettel to slow down and uh, let him by at that point. But by the time that they were asking him to move over, I mean, Charles was already uh, three, three and a half seconds, maybe as many as four seconds behind at that time. I mean, that would, uh, I think, severely compromise, uh, you know, the momentum that uh, Sebastian Vettel would have. And, uh, you know, if I think if he slowed down, down at that point, I think there's a real potential that uh, before you know it, you have uh, a very, very motivated and uh, eager Lewis Hamilton breathing down your neck, looking to, to pounce and take advantage and get around you. I mean, uh, it, it was interesting the way that they did pull away from the the, the, the Mercedes because I mean, the, uh, the the performance that Ferrari has managed to find uh, in the car since the summer break is uh, is interesting, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about this. Uh, between, uh, say, Ferrari and Red Bull swapping positions, where uh, at, the, at the beginning of the year it was uh, Red Bull that was uh, at least a little bit more competitive than uh, Ferrari. Now they seem to have switched uh, places again. Anyways, um, the the way that, uh, that that went out, uh, Vettel went on to say, um, he said, uh, and I quote, I think I stuck to the agreement. Obviously, it was a big shame because I think we had a good chance to finish first and second. I think it's on my side. It's best if I don't say anything. I think Mattia gave uh, an explanation which is valid so let's leave it there and I think that's uh, the, the best way to uh, to explain it I mean he didn't out and out say that he wasn't going to let uh, Charles pass to, uh, and I, I think telling Charles to close up the gap uh, between the two of them I think is uh, you know the fair thing to do and the, the way that uh, Ferrari handled it uh, by keeping uh, Vettel out on the track on, uh, on older rubber like I say, I mean, that's my own personal opinion is I don't really like that, the, the way that they did it. But hey, it was a clean way to do it. Uh, you know, the, Vettel came out several seconds behind Charles after the pit stop. So Charles got back where he wanted to. It's just unfortunate, like I say, and very ironic that uh, that, that the way that uh, Charles got caught out uh, just uh, because of, uh, you know, he pitted early and then the the, the Mercedes guys were able to take advantage of the, uh, the, the safety car, sorry, the virtual safety car when uh, Vettel was... Uh, uh, was climbing out of the cockpit after the the, the car failed on him. Uh, just, I mean, what more do you say? It was just uh, ironic, very, very uh, unfortunate uh, for Ferrari and obviously for Vettel and uh, and for his fans as well. But. <clears throat> Anyways, Charles does go on to say that uh, he, he says that there is trust, still trust with uh, Sebastian Vettel, <clears throat> and uh, 
they still need to trust one another. <laughs> trust, obviously, being uh, the, the key word in both of those uh, quotes uh, from, from Charles Leclerc, you know, following the uh, the incident, the controversy, controversy, whatever we, whatever you want to call it, from the from the Russian uh, Grand Prix. So Charles, um, he says, uh, and I quote, yeah, I think the trust doesn't change. And I think we need to trust each other, Seb and myself. I think it's hugely important for the benefit of the team in some situation to know you can count on the, the other car and vice versa. So yeah, I think it's very important. Important, but yes, the trust is uh, still there. And uh, yeah, I mean, wh- what more do you say? I think that uh, unfortunately that, uh, I mean, Charles might be uh, disappointed he didn't uh, win that race, but that wasn't as a result of the uh, the agreement uh, that was broken between the two of them. It was just uh, because of the uh, <laughs> unfortunate uh, circumstances that led to the, uh, the the virtual safety car, which I've already explained a couple times, so we don't need to re- revisit that again. Anyways, Ross Braun, former Ferrari team principal and the sporting director at uh, Formula One, says that the Vettel-Leclerc rivalry is potentially explosive, and I think that's uh, very interesting that uh, uh, that somebody of uh, of Ross Braun's uh, stature should uh, should weigh on it, and 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 I really think that it that it is a good point. I mean, right now, uh, you can tell that uh, publicly, obviously, the these guys are saying the right things. But uh, if you look at what happened at, at Singapore uh, last week, that uh, after you know the the safety cars and everything, the way that it worked out, and the pit stops, or well, it was basically the pit stop. The Sebastian was given the undercut there, despite uh, Charles being in front, and then just everything that happened happened on the track. I mean, how many safety cars do we have in Singapore? Three, four? (laughs) Start to lose count after a while. Anyways, the point is that uh, Sebastian Vettel came home on that one and uh, Charles was very critical after the race uh, in, the, in the reason for why they brought Sebastian in at that time for the pit stop. I mean, he, he did go on to clarify afterwards. Uh, I mean, the, the, the comments that he made uh, basically were raw, raw and uh, very... Uh, well, I guess you could say uninformed to uh, to a point because he was uh, you know had a mic stuck in his face uh, by by David Coulthard literally after set, uh, stepping out of the, uh, the the cockpit. So obviously emotions are high, the adrenaline still pumping, and uh, if he's been uh, you know seething uh, about something for the good portion of the race, yeah, of course uh, you know that might um, get a little bit emotional. I mean, he didn't say really anything uh, inflammatory, but uh, you know he could tell he was a little bit upset. I mean, he did say in the days after the Singapore Grand Prix, he understood why they uh, decided to bring Sebastian Vettel in and uh, again I think it was just a it was just the way that it worked out and again with all the uh, the, the safety cars uh, it worked more to uh, Vettel's advantage rather than the, than Charles but uh, you know you could tell he was just uh, un, un, unhappy and uh, you know publicly they're saying one thing but I, I think it does have the potential to, to get nasty and, and I think that's why Mattia Bonato has to be firm at this point I think he has to uh, put some uh, down some ground rules and uh, or maybe not some ground rules, but I think he has to really be uh, clear in what the expectations are. And uh, I think, like uh, like I say, I think that uh, if there's any benefit of the doubt, I think that the by default, I think you have to go with your number one guy. I mean, uh, Vettel's not going to be the number one guy forever. He's obviously not the, uh, the the quickest guy, but I mean, on paper, and I think you have to respect that uh, to a certain extent. I mean, if he's slow and he's holding up Charles Leclerc, by all means, give him an order to let Charles buy. 
<clears throat> and uh, and try and uh, you know have some more success in the race, be it a you know go challenge for the win, whatever. Right? I, I think that's uh, per- perfectly justified. But if the two guys are fairly even, let them fight it out. It's uh, like like I say, as long as they're not driving into each other, I have no problem uh, watching them uh, go for it and, and, and challenge for it. I mean, as as much as it's great to watch. <clears throat> the Ferrari guys fighting it out with Mercedes or the Red Bull guys fighting with Mercedes or with Ferrari or any combination thereof, I think that uh, that, that it's just more enjoyable. I mean, uh, you, you want to see excitement in Formula One. And then, of course, there's there's always politics and, and invested interests and things like that, especially when it comes to the internal workings of a, of a team. But I really don't have a problem with, uh, with, with guys racing uh, each other within the team. But you know, there, there are niceties uh, to, to be involved in. Uh, <clears throat> it doesn't really matter if you're Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton or Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen, whoever. You know, if you're the number one guy in the team, you're going to want to be respected for that. That's why I think that uh, this year, at least, I think that uh, Vettel deserves a bit of that uh, th- that benefit, of that status. But then uh, next year, I think that uh, it's 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 wide open. It's it's open season. Let them uh, fight for it. And it, it's obvious that I mean Charles Leclerc is uh, is faster over the, the the course of a single lap. I mean the guy's raw pace is uh, absolutely uh, amazing. And I've said that a long time about Lewis Hamilton uh, as well. It's just amazing how fast you know how fast Lewis is just over the uh, you know the distance of a single lap when it comes to to qualifying. And uh, I mean how many times have we seen it over the years that somebody goes and claims like provisional pole position and then Lewis just comes out purple 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 and just blows the you know the provisional pull time out of the, the out of the water or during the race when he needs to uh <clears throat> put down some fast laps you know it's hammer time it is uh, it's really impressive and, and and Charles Leclerc has that uh, that ability as well and I think that uh, it, it makes it uh, for for more uh, interesting scenarios uh, situations and I think it's uh, it's good too because I think that uh he has that, uh, you know, he's closer to Lewis Hamilton than uh, in in that sense than a lot of other guys are, and I think that uh, Lewis feels that heat from time to time, especially in qualifying, and I think it's a, a great thing for Formula One. So, don't want to take uh, any of that. Anyways, time for another uh, break here on the show uh, for a very brief uh, message from our sponsors. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right, welcome back to the show, and uh, let's stick with the, uh, the the Russian Grand Prix for a little while longer. And uh, Lewis Hamilton said after the, uh, the the Russian Grand Prix last weekend that he had to put in what he called qualifying laps to uh, follow the Ferraris in the opening phase of the Grand Prix. And uh, Lewis said, and I quote, I was a bit worried, and then we lost a little bit from the initial phase, but then I wasn't able to get the toe because he, Charles Leclerc, stayed on the left and gave uh, Seb the toe. I tried to sneak in behind Seb, but there was a McLaren there, so now I had no toe down to turn one and I nearly lost another place after that it was just trying to keep up with them but it was like trying to do qualifying laps every lap trying to keep up with them because they were so fast it was a massive challenge but one I'm uh, really proud of and Hamilton, uh, he he was uh, within a DRS range of uh, Leclerc uh, during the first uh, three four laps, but uh, by by the time they got to lap ten, he was already uh, three and a half seconds uh, behind. And I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, and I've said this before on the show that I get a little bit tired of watching Lewis Hamilton win. I mean, I've got massive respect for the guy. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, I've I've been a fan of Lewis Hamilton. I enjoy watching him race, but it does get uh, sometimes. Uh, 
for me, it's not quite as uh, exciting to watch him win all the time. The same for, for Mercedes. But anyways, I mean, the thing is that if he goes out there and battles and wins it um, you know, fair and square, you know, fighting somebody else, that I find more enjoyable. I And I know it's a, a bit hypocritical for me to say because I was a fan of Michael Schumacher back in the day when uh, he was a dominating Formula One. And uh, so I know I got to be a little bit uh, careful not to contradict myself there. But it's true. I mean, if, if regardless if it's Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel, whoever, if they're just going to win and walk it every single race, yeah, it gets a little bit boring. But uh, that, that's why I think it's more enjoyable, I think, as a whole, as, as fans for Formula One, that uh, that whoever wins has to go out there and, and work for it. And uh, that's why I think that's, I mean, I mean, I think Lewis can feel, obviously, a, a sense of accomplishment uh, doing that. I mean, they got a little bit uh, lucky in that uh, that virtual safety car, but it, it was interesting to see how fast uh, the, the Ferraris were. And it really is interesting to see how much uh, performance that uh, that they had because I mean, certainly going into the summer break at the end of uh, July there, I mean, it was not just a question of uh, how soon will uh, Ferrari win a race this year. I mean, the question was, will Ferrari win a race this year? And uh, they came back, uh, they won in Spa, they won at Monza, they won at Singapore, they should have won at uh, at Russia last week. And I'm still a little bit doubtful that uh, it might have been a, a one-two finish, uh, you know, had uh, things played out a little bit uh, different. I mean, you can never rule out the, the, the pace of Lewis Hamilton. You can never rule out the the, uh, the the brains on the pit wall at uh, at Mercedes uh, you know pulling something off with an undercut or an overcut or, or some some bit of uh, tactical genius to uh, maybe uh, if, if if Lewis was still in third of that place maybe not to uh, to win it but uh, I could uh, definitely see that uh, if things had stayed the same that uh, perhaps had the gap been close enough that they could have uh, worked something out to, to get him into second I mean you can never count those guys out you can never count out Lewis Hamilton obviously but it is interesting uh, just to, to see how uh, the, the straight line advantage that uh, Ferrari had uh, has really been so pronounced over the, the, the past uh, several races. And I think even more interesting than that to me is the fact that uh, not only has uh, the, the car become more competitive, is uh, just the fact that uh, they've won three out of four and uh, <laughs> they should have, uh, like I say, should have won four out of four. And uh, that I, I would not have expected myself saying too much months ago at the beginning of August uh, going into the summer break. I mean, I, I really felt at that point, I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, were thinking the same thing, was uh, not just how long it is before I, uh, for I wins a race this year, but uh, will they win a race this year? I mean, obviously Spa and uh, and Monza were going to be uh, circuits that were more suited to the, the straight line speed advantage of, uh, of the Ferraris, but uh, certainly... I don't think uh, any of us expected them to, uh, you know, do so well at uh, at Singapore and then also at uh, at Russia. So it will, I think, uh, be very interesting to see what uh, what happens over the past. Um you know, or sorry, the, over the the next five races as uh, we we wind the season down here, uh, because it, it really is uh, for me a bit of a fascinating uh, situation. Because uh, when Ferrari stumbled out of the gates, I mean, uh, I mean, it was disappointing to watch them in Australia. I mean, it it, it was an impressive uh, result uh, for Valtteri Bottas. Came out, made a, a statement to go and win that race. I mean, he really was uh, in a class of his own that day. I mean, even Lewis couldn't keep up with him. And then uh, Max was just, uh, I mean, he did well to finish. The third, but that was only, I think, because the, the Ferraris just weren't up to it. And that was a case uh, of, uh, of Ferrari giving team orders to Charles Leclerc to, to stay behind Sebastian Vettel. 
I mean, at that point, I think he was obviously uh, a lot faster. And then, uh, but that really didn't uh, last too long because uh, by the time he got to Bahrain, uh, it was clear that Charles was quicker and he was told to uh, wait another lap uh, before he could uh, pass Sebastian Vettel for the lead. And I think that lasted two or three quarters before he decided uh, that he was going to have none of that and decided to pass uh, Sebastian Vettel. But the point is, I mean, when they really struggled in that first half of the season, it uh, it was Red Bull that stepped up and somewhat uh, surprisingly, uh, by, by the time we got to, to Spain, it was obvious that, the, that they were the ones that, uh, that that were better than Ferrari. And they really struggled, though, through that uh, that first half of the season. I mean, there, there were some hints here and there that, uh, that they could do something. I mean, uh, Charles, like I say, I mean, he should have won in uh, Bahrain, if the car hadn't let him down, I mean, he was he was he was really lucky to finish third. I mean, if that lap, race had gone a couple more laps, he would have dropped a, a whole lot more places, and who knows, he may not have even finished the the race. And then uh, the, we we can go to uh, Austria, but uh, I mean, uh, Charles was winning that race. He was uh, you know eventually passed in the latter stages uh, by uh, what well, was obviously a very aggressive move that uh, that Max Verstappen put on him. But I mean, the point is, he was beat uh, fair and square. And I mean, nobody was going to beat Max that day. That was just uh, his afternoon. Uh, I mean, he was just in the zone. Uh, the car was working great for him, and uh, there there wasn't going to be any other re- result for that. So it just looked like uh, at that point in the season that uh, Ferrari wasn't going to be able to p- pull it off. That they weren't going to be able to uh, to win a race uh, this season. It, they just looked like they were snake bit. That uh, the, the opportunities that they had they had got away from them, and that's why I think it's really surprising is that uh, Red Bull were starting to look better and better as uh, things were going on. They've kind of cooled off over the past uh, several races, uh, from from my point of view and uh and ferrari has really come back to be competitive so it, it will be interesting to see what happens next year in in, in 2020 and uh, of course what's going to happen over the remaining five uh, races of the season you know can ferrari keep up this momentum uh have we seen peak ferrari for 2019 as we go into japan brazil uh mexico the usa and all these uh, races that uh, that we're having here to to close up uh, the, the the rest of the year so i mean the the championship uh, obviously is is a foregone conclusion it's going to go to Lewis. It's going to go to Mercedes on the constructor side. But I mean, at least going into next year. And I mean, I think that's what we all really want to see, a lot of us. I mean, we all have our, our favorite teams. We all have our favorite drivers that uh, that we want to want to win each and every weekend. But I think just in general, even though maybe not all of us might admit it, is that I think that we want to see a more level playing field. I think we want to see more action on the track. And we want to see that these guys uh, really fighting it out and uh, really doing all that they can to, uh, to, to gain uh, positions on their ride rivals and uh, scoring points and race victories and that's why i think uh, it'll be fascinating to watch over the next uh well uh, basically two months between now and uh, abu dhabi at the uh, the end of november at the end of uh, next month uh to see where it goes and uh, whether or not ferrari will peter out over that time whether or not they'll stay the same we uh, will uh, mercedes have some sort of comeback and uh what's going to happen with red bull over the the, the next uh, five races because uh, like i say i think that they've uh cooled off a little bit and uh, that is uh, a little bit uh, a little bit uh, disappointing I mean I think they've had a, a pretty decent uh, season so far with uh, with Honda but um, I would have expected to see the uh, them the, uh, still trend upwards uh, a little bit they may have, they may have plateaued a little bit but I think that's uh, maybe more due to the fact uh, that uh, they're doing something wrong but maybe more to the fact that uh, that Ferrari's finally started to get their car sorted out they understand how the car works and uh, they've solved some of the itch, uh, issues that they had uh, at the start of the year with 
with the uh, the lack of grip in the corners, the lack of uh, downforce that uh, you know prevented the get you know helping uh, get uh, the heat into the tires, get those tires into that sweet spot, and uh, and really operating at uh, the 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 optimum uh, temperature that they need just to to, to really work, regardless what uh, what compound uh, they were working or they they were using at uh, the uh, the time. But this is a bit of an interesting one here. It's uh, speaking after the uh, you know his uh, retirement in uh, in Russia last weekend. Uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, <laughs> came back on the radio and said uh, simply, uh, you know, and, and quite bluntly, bring back the uh, effing V12s. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, the, these hybrid V6 turbo engines, I mean, they are absolutely amazing pieces of uh, technology and i mean that is that's a big reason why honda struggled when they came back into into formula one uh, a couple of years ago now was uh, not that uh, they weren't able to uh, to uh, develop an engine it's just that uh, they had committed to, to formula one much later than uh, than anyone else and everybody all the other manufacturers ferrari renault and, uh, and 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 mercedes had put a lot of time and a lot of effort into uh, developing and perfecting the the uh, technology before it came into effect in uh, in 2014, and uh, Honda just joined up afterwards. Uh, you know, they they had to make up all that time and uh, basically come up with a crash course to uh, you know understand and learn these uh, engines and the technology behind them, and build something that was a reliable and uh, b had enough grunt, had enough power, and uh, <laughs> obviously that uh, worked out uh, not so very bueno uh, for for uh, uh, McLaren. I mean, uh, the the McLaren Honda part partnership was just uh, obviously it was a, a real shadow of what uh, what we were expecting I mean for those of you that are a similar age to me and grew up in the 1980s with the the, the partnership of uh, McLaren and Honda and just how dominant they they were with Alan Prost and, uh, and Ayrton Senna I mean they just uh, they were unbeatable they were like they were the Mercedes of uh, of their era and and the Honda engine was uh, obviously a big piece of that. I mean, the, some of the cars that uh, that uh, that McLaren came out with in, in that era, the MP44, the MP46, absolutely beautiful cars, and uh, among my favorite uh, Formula One cars of uh, of all time. So, you know, it uh, I, I can understand the the, the frustration of uh, Sebastian, uh, you know, having uh, with the uh, with the with the car uh, <laughs> letting go, the the MGUK, uh, the, you know, collapsing and. Uh, just uh, breaking uh, when he uh, when he needed it most when he was in the the, the lead, but uh, he did go on to say afterwards, uh, and I quote: "There's no series like Formula One with V12s. Otherwise, I would consider, but no. I mean, obviously, there's no option. These power units are very complex. I think from an engineering point of view, very fascinating. But obviously, I have my stand on it, and I don't think it comes with a, a great upside for us for racing and uh, and people uh, watching. And that is interesting. I mean, I, I remember with much anticipation." Uh, uh, the the first race of 2014, the Australian Grand Prix, and just uh, sitting there, I remember because uh, Australia uh, Australia is one of the races that uh, we can watch live uh, on a Saturday night here in uh, Vancouver, Canada, on the west coast of North America. It just works out perfectly. I mean, uh, it, it comes on sort of a mid to late evening. evening. And I remember the whole day just being really, really excited and looking at my watch every five, ten minutes or at my phone. And uh, when I sat down and uh, the, the race started, I'm like, wow, 
it really is quiet. And I remember the very first uh, Formula One race I went to was, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but it was at the Nürburgring in 2001 for the European Grand Prix. I mean, that was uh, was just sort of in the time when Michael Schumacher was really coming into mega stardom in Formula One. I mean, uh, Nürburgring was uh, painted scarlet red from top to bottom and Ferrari flags uh, from side to side all around the track i mean i mean the atmosphere was was awesome it was uh it was something else but uh, i remember sitting there with uh we went with a big group i think we went with about eight or ten people and uh i remember you know walking into the track on uh on saturday uh, for the qualifying and uh you know getting uh handed out a free pair of earplugs and uh, i mean the cars were loud obviously when they were going around during uh qualifying uh and uh just uh or even not at full speed on a on a warm-up or a cool down lap I mean, individually, the cars were bloody loud. I mean, it's uh, it's just uh, that's just a fact. That's just the way it was. But uh, I remember sitting there at the start on Sunday afternoon when they they came around because we were sitting down in the Dunlop curve, which is the big uh, hairpin at the bottom of the track. So it was really cool. The cars would come around from the uh, the, the front of the circuit. They would come down through a series of kind of uh, fast sweeping corners into the, uh, the the hairpin, slow right down. And then they would accelerate up the hill and then go into a very fast uh, left-hander. So we, we would see the cars for about 30 seconds a, a lap. I mean, a good portion. We, we could see, I would estimate, roughly about a third of the track there. And it was uh, amazing when they come down. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, by the time uh, the, the, the fields got just right in front of us, I was reaching for, for my earplugs to put them in my ears because I'd uh, forgotten. You know, you're sitting there with all your buddies and uh, you're talking and uh, you're having uh, you know a great time and anticipating the race just forgot to put them in uh, just to you know get caught up in the heat of the moment but I mean it was painful it really really hurt and then uh, fast forward about uh, well over 10 years uh, when I when I went to the most recent Grand Prix which is now over five years ago uh, when I went to the the, the Spanish Grand Prix in 2014 and uh, we were sitting there my wife and I when uh, you know just even in qualifying but uh, just remarking how car how quiet these uh, turbo hybrid engines were in real life and then uh, on uh, on race day itself I mean we had earplugs again we we're given free ones just walking around the track or whatever and uh or maybe we brought him with us whatever the point is is that uh after the the, the lights turn green you got 20 cars going down uh the, the straightaway there at uh at barcelona into turn one and uh even then it uh, it was just a fraction of uh of, of the noise of the the old days uh, be it v12s or v10s whatever i mean a completely different kind of engine and uh and much much quieter anyways uh, i digress but i i do share the sentiments of sebastian vettel uh from from a, a technology and i guess a leadership point of view for uh you know smarter and greener technology the the hybrid uh, hybrid turbo v6s are absolutely uh impressive uh, pieces of technology and engines uh, doing what they do but from a purist's uh, point of view from a formula one fans point of view they're nothing to, they're, there's nothing like the the sound of the the old-fashioned normally aspirated uh, engines uh, be it v10s v12s whatever they just uh, they sounded uh, great i mean they were they were noisy i know but uh you could feel and hear a car when it went by and that uh was part of the uh i think the lure and uh part of the uh you know the, what gave uh, formula one it's uh, a bit of its identity anyways time for one final break here on the show and then it's time to wrap it up uh, thank you very much for listening uh we'll be back uh in just a moment after this last break uh, to hear a word from our sponsors don't go away 
All right, everybody, welcome back. And well, we're going to finally move away from the Russian Grand Prix and uh, a lot of the the, the fallout, uh, the contra- uh, controversy between uh, Vettel and Leclerc. And uh, well, what I'm going to talk about uh, does have some roots in what uh, what happened at the Russian Grand Prix. But uh, Jos Verstappen, Formula Four, uh, former Formula One driver, and obviously the father of uh, Max Verstappen, uh, Formula One superstar has uh, spoken out on Dutch uh, TV on a, a program called Pep Talk that, that he's uh, concerned, that's, uh, that is uh, his word, about uh, Red Bull's uh, stagnation over the course of uh, the season. And uh, I'll just uh, quote here at, uh, what Jos had to say, and that, uh, and that is as follows. Uh, quote, the expectation was that we would close the gap this year, but it doesn't look like that yet. We have to work hard and the team has to change things to close the gap. Otherwise, next season will be a lost year as well. Everyone is building a new car for the new season, but now we've had a year to close the gap with this car and we haven't come any closer. So would uh, why should we be able to close that gap next year? I'm concerned about that and the team really needs to make some changes in order to be able to fight for the championship. When I look at the last few races, we're a second short for Japan. And of course, they try to do everything to close the gap, but you can't close a gap of half a second in two weeks uh, time. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, and I, I was uh, thinking about uh, the, this after I read these comments. And well, this was going to be a transition year for, for Red Bull. Let's, let's be honest. I mean, first year with Honda Power. I mean, they've uh, managed to win a couple of races. I mean, absolutely wonderful. I think that uh, that Honda obviously feels a lot of pressure off of the their, their back by uh, uh, having a, a car that's uh, uh, with, with their, their engines in it, win races, that justifies them for being there after all those horrible uh, dark years with the uh, McLaren Honda and uh, just the the, uh, the the confidence that Red Bull had making the decision to switch. And uh, they, they said uh, when they, uh, they, they announced the agreement with Red Bull last year that their goal for this year was to keep them on the same level uh, and in the same place that the, that they were with uh, with Renault previously. And yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why that would be uh, frustrated from from that sense is, okay, well, we're not any uh, further ahead there with, with Honda engines that we were with Renault, but I mean, it takes a little bit of time. I mean, the fact is that the, the, the Honda engine has proven that it's got power. It's that they've proven finally that it's reliable. I mean, that's no, those are two things that they, they couldn't say when uh, they were powering McLaren cars. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, next year, I think, is uh, I, th- I think more uh, more of an indication. I think we should uh, look at it more that way. So I mean, I think to a certain degree that uh, Yoss's comments are, are a little bit uh, premature. I mean, if if uh, after say half a dozen races next year, say by the time you get to the Spanish Grand Prix or the Canadian Grand Prix about there uh, that time of year in uh, in May or June that things uh, still aren't progressing. I think that's a, a fair thing to say. But I also have to kind of wonder, and maybe this is a bit uh, my suspicious nature, maybe I'm being a little bit cynical, but part of me wonders if uh, perhaps that, uh, that, that the Verstappens are starting to maybe just kind of throw some things out there. Because if you look next year, I believe that uh, Valtteri Bottas only has a one-year contract at Mercedes. Uh, Sebastian Vettel is uh, out of contract after 2020 with uh, Ferrari. I really don't uh, know. I I mean, I'd like to see Sebastian Vettel go back. I've got this fascination to see whether or not he can win another world championship with Ferrari. I, I really don't think he can. I think that window uh, slammed shut last year. I mean, it's, it's nothing against uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, uh, the, the, he had the opportunity last year, and then obviously a lot of things went wrong at the end of the year. Some was his fault. Some was the car's fault. Some was the team's fault. Some was a combination of all three. Uh, anyways, I think uh, now that he's got uh, a real 
real tough uh, job in, uh, in 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 staying ahead of his teammate uh, Charles Leclerc. I mean, he, he's proven uh, over what is it uh, seven or eight uh, races now that uh, that he's qualified behind uh, Leclerc. I mean, Leclerc's won uh, you know several races this year. I mean, he just uh, he's looking like a number one driver and uh, I, I just I don't know I just uh, don't know if there will be room for Sebastian Vettel to go back to uh, Ferrari I mean I could see them maybe trying to lowball him on a contract which you know they're they're just kind of maybe doing a, a courtesy to uh, to him to, uh, to 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 offer him something but you know pride you know won't uh, won't let him take it maybe walks away or maybe he just decides that uh, at that point he wants a new challenge you know, I, I could honestly see a, a scenario that uh, after 2020, uh, that uh, that Max Verstappen might not be a Red Bull. I mean, would he be in a scarlet red Ferrari or silver uh, Mercedes? That's that's a great, great question. I mean, Lewis Hamilton, I mean, he's getting up there a little bit. I mean, he's not old, but he's stretching the means. But um, I mean, he, he hasn't really said how long he wants to keep racing for. I mean, he's kind of hinted at it here and there. And he's had some positive things to say about uh, or potentially what the, you know, uh, the, the the post twenty twenty regulations that will come out uh, you will be like and how that will affect uh, when uh, what, what he decides to do with his future. But I mean the thing is I mean he's proven how good he is in a Red Bull that's uh, clearly been second best to the Ferraris and the Mercedes over the past uh, several years, and he's proven that uh, that he's got all the uh, the the attributes to uh, to be a number one uh, driver. He's obviously number one at uh, Red Bull, but I mean I think uh, he has the, the 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 attributes and the characteristics. To, to be a Formula One world championship. The big question is that if, say, uh, Vettel leaves Ferrari and, say, uh, Mercedes decide that they don't want to bring Valtteri Bottas back for, for 2021, could you potentially see uh, a, a combination of Hamilton and Verstappen or Charles Leclerc and Verstappen? Would either of those teams want a combination like that? I mean, Lewis obviously kind of likes a guy that's uh, you know a, a little bit more subservient, that's willing uh, to, uh, to to give way and uh, and 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 follow team orders and know that he's uh, the top uh, dog. I mean, look at uh, Bottas at uh, Russia last year. I mean, he's always done very well at Russia. He was going to win that race until he was told to, to pull over and let. Uh, Lewis Hamilton by it. I mean, he, he's been in the Lewis Hamilton friend zone for a long time, and he's going to be friend zoned for the rest of the time that he's at, uh, at Mercedes. But I mean, the question is, if you put uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Lewis Hamilton to, together, is that going to be like uh, oil and water? Is that going to be similar to the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton uh, situation? And the same thing, if you put uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, and Max Verstappen together, for Harry, would that work? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it would be pretty interesting, and it could be potentially very exciting to see a combination of Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc or Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Practically, I think you'd have to uh, be pretty brave to make that call if you're either Toto Wolff or uh, Mattia Bonato. Uh, but it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. But, you know, having said that, uh, I, I could I could certainly see a scenario. I, I could see some of these scenarios play out, even though I'm just kind of going them uh, going over them in my mind. And they don't, at this point, uh, anyways, have any uh, basis in reality. But uh have, uh, having it all shake out uh, will be uh, interesting to watch and uh, see what what, what happens. But uh, like I say, I certainly could see a situation, whatever happens, that uh, you know that, that that Sebastian Vettel maybe ends up uh, at Red Bull again. 
I, I couldn't see him going to say like a team like Alfa Romeo or something. And cause I mean, Seb's only 32 years old. I mean, uh, if he feels like he's on form and he's uh, doing well, I mean, he's shown more in the last couple of races, uh, after the, the embarrassment uh, of, of Monza and a bit of the disappointment in, uh, in Belgium when I mean, he finished the race, but, uh, he clearly wasn't, uh, as competitive or, or as fast as Charles Leclerc. And, uh, so yeah, it, it will be fun to watch and see what, uh, what shakes out and, and who ends up where. I mean, this is, like I say, this, this is just me kind of putting that out there at, uh, at this point in time, it doesn't have any basis in reality, but, uh, it would be something let's, uh, let's put it that way. And anyways, I mean, last but certainly not least, uh, just kind of uh, sticking with the the, the Mercedes uh, theme here. And uh, well, the, the big news was that uh, after 2020, McLaren has announced that they will uh, drop Renault engines and uh, they are going to, to switch back uh, to Mercedes power. And of course, you know, everybody from a generation ago will remember David Coulthard and uh, Mika Hakkinen and Kimi Raikkonen and uh, McLaren and Mercedes engines. So they're, they're, they're getting the band back together uh and i think it's interesting that uh, they've decided to uh to switch uh, back to mercedes but uh that that leaves renault with no customers as of this moment uh, for for 2021 and that uh may or may not be a, a good thing for them i mean at least they, they can concentrate all their eggs in one basket uh, basket but uh some of the different things that uh, were said by some of the brass at uh, mclaren is that uh, that uh, renault's or questions over renault's uh, long-term commitment to the sport uh, was an issue for them and you know i, I really have to give uh, props to uh, to zach brown i think that uh, he's done a, a pretty good job at uh, at mclaren over the past couple of years i mean he inherited a, a team that was uh, <laughs> i mean it, it was pretty messed up let's uh, let's just put it that way and, uh, and say it politely Lately, but uh, I mean, he's gone in there. I mean, he's he's made some key appointments uh, with, uh, with 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 personnel. I mean, he brought in Andreas Seidel from the the Porsche LMP1 project to be the uh, the, the the team principal. Other uh, you know appointments in key areas uh, in the engineering design. I mean, um, I think he's done a really good job. And then to um, negotiate. Uh, I mean, it was a costly decision. Don't get me wrong to to uh, to split with Honda and get Renaults, but that certainly uh, has helped them out in the meantime. I mean, the car is better than it was as well because it wasn't always the engine that was the issue when uh, when they were paired up with Honda but uh, certainly I mean uh, they've got a very solid group of people in that team and uh, they're going back to Mercedes power for 2021 you know they're they're you know they're they're keeping it uh, you know re- uh, expectations realistic and uh, that doesn't mean that uh, they don't expect obviously to be uh, challenging uh, Mercedes uh, right away or uh, at any time soon but uh, I think that uh, it, it's very very good and apparently it was uh, it was Andreas Seidel uh, the new team principal that really led the charge to uh, to, to push for Mercedes engines and uh, get that taken uh, care of so be interesting to see what they can do but I mean uh, like I was saying earlier in the show they have uh, 101 points down the constru- uh, constructors uh, championship and uh, this has been a very very good year so far for them I think that um, that uh, just all, all around uh, be it uh, the, the drivers Lando Norris and uh, Carlos Sainz or the uh, like, the team itself off of the track. Uh, I, I think they've just uh, all around had a very solid year. And uh, even though they said they were willing to let results uh, kind of slip here, if it means you know they uh, put more time and development into the 2020 car, you know that uh, that well, I mean that's fine. I mean if they they, they figure that uh, they don't mind uh, dropping points if they end up uh, losing fourth in the constructors, they're okay with that. Obviously they've they've uh, achieved the goals that they wanted to this year, and they're 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 satisfied. Things are going in the right uh, direction, and and why not double down? Uh, 
in that case and look towards uh, next year. If uh, this is what you've done this year, do you, you feel like you, you can get advantages or, or do something better for next year? Uh, why don't you uh, just uh, go for it? So kind of cool to see. Anyways, uh, this last one, this had to, to make me chuckle. And uh, this is Roman Grosjean uh, asking his rivals to be more gentlemanly in the starts. And this is the guy that... Uh, caused that huge uh, crash at Spa in uh, 2012 and the, the opening lap uh, <laughs> shenanigans last year at the Spanish Grand Prix going into uh, turn three when he spun out and then uh, as he was uh, <laughs> going the wrong direction compared to the other uh, cars on the track he decided to put the uh, the gas down spin it back around to try and get the car pointed the right way but in doing so took himself out and Nico Hulkenberg and Pierre Gasly and maybe somebody else if I remember I mean there was at least three people and a guy that's also crashed crashed out uh, during safety cars <laughs> a lot of other times so I do not uh, I just I just find it laughable to, to hear somebody like Roman Grosjean telling the other drivers to be uh, more gentlemanly in the starts when uh, he clearly is an offender and he has a uh, you know the, the record to, to, to go with it so you know uh, Roma <laughs> I think maybe next time you might, might want to check yourself in, uh, in what you're saying like I said I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the guy I think he's had uh, more than enough uh, opportunities to, to prove him himself in, in Formula One and that's why I think uh, I do not agree with uh, with the Haas's uh, decision uh, made by Gunther Steiner the team principal to, to stick with uh, Grosjean next year I mean sure great the guy helps you out figure out a lot of the issues with uh, this year's car and what needs to be done uh, for, for next year but you know if I have a guy like uh, Nico Hulkenberg uh, you know waiting in the wings uh, without a drive for 2020 and uh, I'm looking at a, a lineup of uh, Magnussen and Grosjean Definitely, I'm uh, looking for somebody to, to drive alongside K-Mag for, for next year. Anyways, just my two cents. Anyhow, time to wrap it up there. Thank you guys again, as always, for, for the support. Uh, thank you for downloading and listening to the show. Uh, best way to support us uh, only takes a couple of moments of your time, and that's uh, to leave uh, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, get your podcasts from. Of course, uh, we would uh, greatly appreciate that. It uh, helps us grow the show and uh, makes it more visible to those who are trying to... Uh, um, you know, find it, find the show, and listen to other Formula One fans talking about the sport that we love the most. Anyways, if you want to get in touch, if you have any thoughts, you have any feedback or any comments, uh, easiest way is on Twitter. You can find us there at f one pod or you can email us directly at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again this time next week. Ciao. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1pod at gmail.com.